Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giants of the Faith podcast. My name is Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show. This is the podcast where we focus on individuals from the age of the church who've lived out their faith in a unique or interesting way. These are people who are giants in the history of Christendom, and each has earned a spot in my personal Christian Hall of Fame. Before we get to the main subject of this episode, Francis Schaeffer, I'm back with another recommendation for you. This time, it is the fascinating podcast, Luther in Real Time, from Ligonier Ministries. Luther in Real Time follows, as Ligonier says, the dramatic story of the Reformation. Each episode is released 500 years to the day following the events that each episode describes. It's an excellent dramatic retelling of Luther's story, complete with voice actors and narration. Episodes are about 10 minutes long, so they're easy to take in, and I find the series just fascinating. I'll link to the podcast feed in the show notes, and be sure to check it out. Today, we're going to take a look at the life of influential 20th century apologist and evangelical leader, Francis Schaeffer. I'm pretty late to learning about Schaeffer, first being introduced to him through his excellent video series, How Should We Then Live, near the end of 2020 on Amazon Prime. Through that series and reading about his life, I've come to appreciate Schaefer and his impact on Christianity in the modern age. Schaefer was a pretty cool guy with his awesome goatee and his knickerbockers who happened to do an amazing job communicating the gospel and inspiring a generation. He's sometimes called a modern-day prophet, and while I'm not sure about that, he did have a knack for understanding the forces at play in the world and then helping to explain them through his biblical worldview. With that brief introduction out of the way, let's take a look at Francis Schaeffer's life. Francis August Schaeffer was born on January 30, 1912, in Germantown, Pennsylvania, USA. His parents were Franz Schaeffer III and Bessie. His upbringing was decidedly working-class American. His family tells the story that when Francis was born, the doctor was so drunk that he never bothered to register Francis's birth and so he had no official birth certificate until he was much older, and he needed one to obtain a passport. And his family was only nominally Christian, and though they attended services at the local Presbyterian church, they were not what you'd call true believers. That changed for Francis in his junior year of high school. He was asked by his Sunday school teacher to help a young Russian immigrant learn to speak English. To that end, Francis went to the local bookstore to buy a Russian-English dictionary, but the bookseller accidentally sent him home with a book on Greek philosophy. Rather than returning the book, he read it, and he was intrigued by the questions the ancient philosophers had raised, but he was at the same time dissatisfied with their answers. So he decided, since he was already reading ancient texts, to pick up and read the Bible, and what he found there changed him. He later said, in my reading of philosophy, I saw that there were innumerable problems that nobody was giving answers for. But in the Bible, I began to find answers. Not individual answers that shot down problems one at a time, but a series of answers that bound all the problems together. The Bible, it struck me, dealt with man's problems in a sweeping, all-encompassing thrust. A few months after reading the Bible, Schaefer attended a tent revival meeting of evangelist Anthony Zioli, and he was finally converted. After graduating from Germantown High School, where he was a member of the engineering club, Schaefer entered Drexel Institute, which is now Drexel University. 
to satisfy his parents' desire for him to become an engineer. Schaefer was restless, however, and soon left Drexel for Hampton Sydney College, a Presbyterian school in Virginia. Schaefer graduated from that school in 1935, and that same year he married Edith Seville, the daughter of missionaries to China, and went on to Westminster Theological Seminary. Edith's family had left China when she was five years old, and her father had taken up a pastorship in New York City. The family then moved to the Germantown area when she was in high school, and it was there that she met Francis. The two were attending a Presbyterian youth conference where there was a liberal speaker presenting. Both stood to refute the speaker, and a relationship soon blossomed. They dated and wrote letters while Francis was away at Hampton, Sydney, and they married as soon as he graduated. So the Schaefers were off to Westminster Theological Seminary, which had been founded by John Gresham Machen, who will feature at some point on this podcast, Lord willing, as a conservative seminary in reaction to the liberal takeover at Princeton Seminary. Once Machen died, some of the faculty and students left Westminster and set up another seminary, Faith Theological Seminary, in Maryland to distance themselves from the increasingly liberal PCUSA denomination. Schaefer went with them and was one of the first graduates and the first ordained minister of the Bible Presbyterian Church. After completing his seminary degree, Schaefer served in three different churches, two in Pennsylvania and one in Missouri. In Missouri, Francis and Edith started the Children for Christ ministry, which was a home church program for teaching and evangelization of children that grew to have international reach. They served at these churches through the Great Depression and World War II. Now, After World War II concluded, the Bible Presbyterians devised a plan to witness to Europe. Their idea was to plant new fundamentalist churches before the failing liberal churches had a chance to rebuild and thus restore an orthodox understanding of the gospel to Europe. They chose Francis Schaeffer to be their missionary to Western Europe. What Schaeffer discovered was that the differences that the conservative and more liberal churches had in the United States were relatively insignificant when compared to the advancement of existentialism throughout European society. The Schaeffers continued their Children for Christ mission in Champery, Switzerland. Unfortunately, the local Catholic church was not too fond of the influence that the Schaeffers were having and asked them to leave. The Schaeffers complied and settled in the hamlet of Waymo, Switzerland. They broke ties with the Bible Presbyterians and started the ministry Labri, which is French for the shelter, in 1955. Labri was one of the defining ministries of Schaefer's life. The Schaefers began hosting visitors, mostly young people, each weekend in their home. They developed a regular schedule of discussion about art, religion, history, philosophy, and culture. It became a popular destination for students, and by 1957, Labrie was hosting about 25 students each weekend. These students were schooled in modern philosophies, and Schaefer was keen to observe the impact that living by them had on his visitors. The students would ask questions, and Schaefer would answer. A 45-second question might take 45 minutes to answer, and Schaefer always used the truths of the Bible to teach and shape these young minds. Schaefer wanted Labrie to demonstrate several things. First, he wanted to show that there can and should be a total dependence on God. 
He exists, and so does the supernatural, and prayer is the way to commune with him. Secondly, Schaeffer wanted to show that Christianity is a sensible faith. It holds true answers to the hardest questions of life, and the young people that came to Labrie were often hurt and broken, and Schaeffer wanted them to know that God is there, and his word was written for them to get to know God and his character, and to show them how to live. To that end, Schaeffer wanted these young people to know that Christianity isn't about taking things away from humanity. It's not a list of things that thou shalt not, but it shows men how to live to their fullest, and to be whole men. Men who are whole can live in unity and community with each other. Not perfect unity on earth, of course, and this can help accomplish true healing for our inner selves. And he encouraged engagement with the wider cultural world, rather than separation. Christians are to show the light to the world and not hide from it. He wanted Christians to produce and to have an appreciation for things that are good and true and beautiful. Art, to Schaefer's mind, was something to be enjoyed and appreciated as a reflection of the creative genius of God, not simply reduced to just being a tract to try to convert someone or show the gospel. Labrie wasn't Schaefer's only ministry. He also wrote several books. Uh, over 20 by the time he died, including some of his early works like The God Who Is There, Escape from Reason, and He Is There and He Is Not Silent. His books were readable and approachable by the common man. Schaefer believed that philosophy and theology were subjects that the common man should be concerned with, and so that's who his audience was. He's been compared to C.S. Lewis for his concern for the average Christian. This focus on the common man led to certain academics dismissing him as a serious thinker. But he saw the value in all men, not just the elites. He wrote, Christianity is not just involved with salvation, but with the total man in the total world. The Christian message begins with the existence of God forever, and then with creation. It does not begin with salvation. We must be thankful for salvation, but the Christian message is more than that. Man has a value because he is made in the image of God. Schaefer was an ardent proponent of the inerrancy of Scripture. He was also a strong voice calling modern Christians to take seriously the truths of Christianity, the creation account, the exclusivity of Jesus as the only way to God, the authority of Scripture, the equality of mankind, the value of human life, and the existence of truth. In the 1960s, Schaefer returned to the United States and began speaking at universities and churches across the country. He became an increasingly important figure and voice in the American evangelical world. He was also a favorite of the political religious right, mixing with Congressman Jack Kemp and even President Ford. The 1970s saw Schaefer move into a new medium, film. He, along with his son Frankie, made a 10-part documentary series called How Should We Then Live? It's a fantastic voyage through history to modern times and discusses the role of Christianity and other philosophies through the centuries and the dangers of the modern and future secular world. They toured the film series through 18 cities across the U.S. and it was viewed by tens of thousands of people. Schaefer followed up this film by collaborating with pediatric surgeon C. Everett Koop on the film Whatever Happened to the Human Race. This film focused on the decline of society and the culture of death that we'd accepted with the legalization of abortion. According to Schaefer, abortion would naturally lead to infanticide, 
and then on to euthanasia. And the only way to avoid this is to return to a Christian society. Now, unfortunately, that didn't happen, and Western society has embraced death fully. Incidentally, this project raised the profile of Coop enough so that he became Surgeon General of the United States under Ronald Reagan. Schaefer knew that without the understanding that mankind is God-made and God-fashioned, that life would have no value. He said, People today are trying to hang on to the dignity of man, but they do not know how to, because they have lost the truth that man is made in the image of God. We are watching our culture put into effect that when you tell men long enough that they are machines, it soon begins to show in their actions. You see it in our whole culture, in the theater of cruelty, in the violence in the streets, in the death of man in art and life. In 1978, Schaefer was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. He underwent chemotherapy treatment, and initially it seemed that he was in remission. Schaefer continued to focus on abortion as the crisis of modern times. He wrote the book, A Christian Manifesto, which identified abortion as the hinge issue for America. It inspired evangelical leaders to take a public stand against abortion, and it helped to raise the awareness of how prevalent and common abortion is in the United States. Schaefer battled cancer for five years, but by 1984, it was back in full force. Schaefer used the last of his strength to complete a 13-city lecture tour in support of a Christian manifesto. Once the tour concluded, he returned to his home in Rochester, Minnesota, where he died a month later, on May 15, 1984. He left behind a legacy that influenced an entire generation of Christian thinkers and leaders. I really personally appreciate the influence he had on the people that have influenced my Christian walk. And this wraps up another episode of Giants of the Faith. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any comments or corrections or suggestions, please send them along to podcast at giantsofthefaith.com. I'd be very happy to hear what you think of the show. Until next time, God bless.